0: Just Thinking, with hosts Dara Harrison and Virgil Walker, bringing you week-to-week cultural apologetics, as well as social issues from a biblical worldview. This is Just Thinking. Let's think. Hey, we're back at you again, another edition of, of Just Thinking Podcast. I should have said of the Just Thinking Podcast, man. Glad to be with you. I'm Virgil Walker.
1: And I'm Daryl Harrison. What's up, everybody? What up, V Dub?
0: It's all you, bro, man. Like I said, man, I'm, I'm glad to be in the mix, glad to be in the saddle, just taking it easy, man. Just kind of winding down, new year and all kind of coming up, really taking some time to reflect on just what, what the year brought, man, and, and that whole thing, man. How about how about for you?
1: Man, can you believe here we are? And I know billions of people around the world are probably saying the exact same thing. Mm-hmm. We say this every year towards the end of the year man but it really is amazing man we're talking about the end of the year already man just a few days left in the year yeah yeah and we're about to roll into
0: a new year man it's amazing man i i really am trying to you know like i was telling you before we got on the air man just trying to take it easy trying to dial it back and and really reflect on the on the goodness of god man I, in fact bro i was I was driving uh, just, just minutes ago, man. I ran to the store to get something real quick, and I was just reflecting on something that I, that, that I know, um, but, but something that just kind of it, it catches you off guard. I started thinking, man, I'm driving to the store. I just left the house, left the family, everybody, grabbing something from the store real quick. And I said to myself, man, I've got three children. I've got three children. And and again, it's it's not. I mean, I brother, I know I've had, I've I've got three children. I've got an eighteen year old, you know, a fifteen year old, and a thirteen year old. But man, it just it's one of those things where I'm driving, I'm thinking, just a time of reflection. I'm reflecting on the goodness of God, man. That that I would that I would be blessed with three kiddos, man. That that uh, that I have a responsibility to to steward in the ways of God. And man, as I was driving to the store, man, just stop for a second and just gave some praise and thanks for the fact that that God has blessed me. You know what I mean?
1: I know exactly what you mean, man. And, uh, you know, you look at that, uh, not just as a moment of reflection, but even in the broader picture of parenthood and Mm. fatherhood, motherhood being a part of God's plan for us in this world. Uh, you know, so that's the Genesis of, You know that reflection uh, when Mm -hmm. you look at it, man. With you, with having three kids and everything, you know you are uh, a part of that reflection. Is the fact that you're fulfilling God's will, Amen. uh, For for creation, I mean, we're going to talk about this in a second, but
0: yeah, you know,
1: one of the creation ordinances is that we be fruitful and multiply.
0: Amen. Amen. Well, bro, let me ask you, man, before we get into our content, man, what, what do you have planned? I know I'm thinking about when, you know, we're recording this a little bit early uh, in light of the holidays. Um, You know, I I know Christmas will, will, by the time the listeners hear this Christmas will have come and gone. And then, and then we'll, we'll be on on track for new years, man. You got any special kind of holiday things that you guys do as a family or 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 traditions that you all enjoy or how how do you how do you guys uh spend spend the holidays
1: you know man, to be honest with you, I have to say no, I don't and uh I kind of go back to you know how I grew up uh mm-hmm. growing up, we had a small family, you know growing up in the hood west Atlanta, we were very materially poor, and mm-hmm. I like to make a distinction between materially poor versus or as opposed to, or in contrast with, being spiritually poor, we were never spiritually poor. Wow! And I think it's because we never were spiritually poor that it never occurred to us that we were materially poor. Mm. If that makes mm. sense, yeah. Uh, you know, so growing up, there was only five of us. There was my parents, myself as a middle child. I had a younger sister and an older brother. Oh wow! Uh, but you know, growing up in the hood, man, you know, my dad worked there were times in his life where he worked three jobs. Mm -hmm. My mother uh, worked very hard. Uh, She was a uh, cafeteria worker in public schools for decades. And, uh, you know, so a lot of uh, my not having uh, what you might say, Christmas traditions now Mm kind of go back to how I grew up. I'm I'm a, I'm a minimalist. I mean, I, I, um, Mm -hmm. you know, I don't, I don't, I'm not a gifts kind of person, so I don't look at Christmas time or my birthday or occasions like that for people to bring me gifts or anything like that. And I think mm-hmm. to a large extent, that just goes back to the experiences that I had growing up uh, in the inner city, not having much. And then mm-hmm. I was fine with that. I'm fine with that now. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's kind of a long way to answer your question, but no, I, you know, I do recognize Christmas for what it is. Yeah, uh, and I think that's the beauty of not having a a bunch of kind of material- commercialized, yeah, Bingo. exactly yeah. A materialistic, commercialized perspective of Christmas. That if 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 not, not only if nobody brings you anything, if you don't receive mm-hmm. a single gift, or let's say in God, if God and His providence took away everything you have, right? Can you still give thanks to God for? coming into this world in the form of human flesh to make a way for you mm-hmm. to be right with him. So mm-hmm. I look at Christmas, you know, really for what it what we all should look at it as. Right, right. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm just good waking up on Christmas day, man. I'm I'm good just to be able to mm-hmm. do that.
0: Yeah, man, I'm I'm with you. We as a family, man, we don't have any massive traditions for us. It's, you know, we do we do kind of a big big kind of Christmas meal. Um, which we spend a lot of time, energy, and and effort into, uh, e- either doing one or two things, purchasing a lot of the prepared food, or or my bride will make a you know, she, and she really lo- loves to focus on on that breakfast for that Christmas morning. So she's got the breakfast quiches and all the dinner, you know, all the all the all the fixings yeah. with yeah. that whole piece, and we'll have some dinner pieces and things like that. We really try to because of the fact that so much of our time. During the rest of the year is spent in outreach and in ministry, and you know I was sharing with you just before we came on about you know going out you know out on the streets and kind of doing evangelism. You guys have heard me talk mm-hmm. about this and, mm-hmm. and and the like as as well as ministry to the folks that are at our local congregation. My wife's so ridiculously involved in that yeah. process. We really try to reel it back during this time, and so for the you know for the two weeks that that we have. You know, during the Christmas and New Year's, we really kind of get very exclusive to our, our immediate family. Um, you know, we, right. we don't we don't we don't have a you know, I, 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 I was used to be in pharmaceutical sales. I'm now in the ministry. So it's not like I've got a ton of money to do uh, great big things with gifts and such. We get something, you know, like for the kids. We get a few, you know, a few, two or three gifts. And uh, for them, And they've got grandparents who bless them with a few things here and there but we try we try to keep that kind of like you said to 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 a minimalist uh, approach in in recent years just really kind of focusing on family time together you know engaging each other in in conversation or reflection and so on christmas day i usually right. read the uh the christmas narrative the, the 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 birth narrative jesus's birth narrative uh and uh we kind of talk through that and then just talk about what we what we look forward to in the in the coming year lord willing, and so that's that pretty much sums it up it's not real it's not real deep, not real big, but that's kind of how we spend it as a family man and so I just yeah that's I was just a, curious,
2: a- man.
1: Yeah, that's a great way to make memories, man, you know, yeah. and, uh, you know, you're speaking about reading the uh, Christmas narrative out of Luke 2. Mm-hmm. I um I posted something on my Facebook page and I, I went ahead and tweeted it, a, a sort of a more concise version of this, but it just occurred to me, man, it'd be really cool because I know a lot of Christians have, as speaking of Christian Christmas traditions, a lot of Christians have as a tradition to, you know, sit around the table either at mm-hmm. breakfast or maybe sit around the the living rooms after after presents have been opened, maybe around the dinner table or whatnot, and read aloud the Christmas narrative out of Luke yeah. two, yep, but it kind of occurred to me the other day I said, hey, why don't why don't I just write a little something about suggesting something a little bit different, sort of we'll put a little twist on that mm. and instead of reading Luke two first, why don't you read aloud Genesis three
0: first? <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Right, right you already know. Whole whole yeah, I know you go.
1: <laughs> you read Genesis three because. Let me back up a minute. My my rationale was this: we focus so much in, in reading the Luke two narrative, we focus so much on the fact that Jesus came, mm-hmm. that we lose sight of the fact of why he came. Amen. Genesis three is a great way to bridge the two. Mm-hmm. Genesis three opens the door to why we need a savior. Mm-hmm. Okay. Then after you read Genesis three, roll into Luke two. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, but uh, man, and and I got so much positive feedback, man, responses for that on my Facebook page, my Twitter page. Uh, I was surprised that it went over so well, but yeah. So if you're listening to this podcast and you're one of those families, or, may, or maybe you're not, you want to maybe start a new Christ centered tradition around Christmas Mm-hmm. With your family, especially as we're going to the new year. Definitely read Luke 2. That's pro- yeah. probably the more popular of the uh synoptic gospels as it relates to the Christmas story. But before reading Luke 2, or maybe Matthew 1, whichever you choose, yeah. um, go ahead and read out, read aloud Genesis 3. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I think that's just a great way to build a solid uh a more solid uh understanding of no, not just that Jesus came, but why he came. So Right Right.
0: right we had out. a we had a man, we had a great time. I probably one of the most edifying things that I did um this year coming into uh the holiday. And I've I've shared with you, I'm sure, off uh either maybe on on you know on our on our podcast or, or offline was that I have a, a Bible study that that I do on Wednesday yep. nights with some yep. with some young adults. Mm-hmm. And um then we we started probably eight weeks, nine weeks prior, uh and 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 began walking through what I what I said is the Chris the, the Christmas narrative starting in the old testament. Mm-hmm. And uh we, yeah. we did exactly what you suggested. Uh we started in Genesis three, uh, and then I covered the 12 you know historical events uh, mm-hmm. in the life of Israel uh mm-hmm. as they were processing through uh, you know to, uh, to to the to advent you know to to the mm-hmm, experience mm-hmm. of of Messiah, the call of Abraham, the birth of Isaac, we did Joseph in Egypt, Exodus, Moses getting the law, you know mm-hmm. Joshua conquering the land, we walked through the three kings I mean it was just an amazing amazing time uh, with them as they began to I think for the first time connect the dots that starting as you said in Genesis three, mm-hmm. all of creation. Was mm-hmm. looking forward to the advent. Uh, the, all right. all of all of human history points to the birth, uh, life, death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, and and right. all of history thereafter uh, looks back at it. We all on this side look back at the cross, and so uh, man, it was pro- like I said, probably one of the most edifying things that 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 i've that I've done as far as as far as teaching, and uh, I definitely will look forward almost yearly, man, to walking back. Through that with some group as as God as God you know providentially allows uh, for that to happen, that was really so i I, I just want to echo everything you just said and just let folks know how edifying it is it, it, as you as you connect the dots uh, for folks as to why th- there 's a reason why he came uh, and it was definitely you know as a rescue to humanity uh, who are separated from God based upon mm-hmm our sin against the sovereign. And so mm-hmm. um, definitely, definitely highly recommend that. Man, that's good stuff, bro.
1: Yeah, man, I appreciate that, man. And, uh, you know, it's, it's amazing when you delve into the word of God and really become a student of the word and not mm-hmm. just a reader. Mm-hmm. You find Christ throughout the entire Bible, not just <laughs> yeah. the New Testament. So, yeah. you know, there's a fancy theological term for that, uh, where, whereby the Bible is Christocentric. Mm-hmm. and not just Christotelic. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, most Christians, I would say, probably associate Christ with the New Testament mm-hmm. as opposed to the Old Testament. Uh, but no, Christ is throughout the entire Bible, not, just the, not just the New Testament. So um, it maybe in the new year, folks put forth uh, uh, some time and effort because, listen, man, I've always said this: studying the Bible is work, mm. is work. I mean, it is. It is not. Um, it is not something whereby you can do uh, as a leisurely activity. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it takes effort. It takes de- dedicated, disciplined mm-hmm. effort to study the Word of God to unpack those truths that lie underneath the words that are on that page.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, you know. You talk about the Bible study that you lead on Wednesday nights. Yeah. I lead a, I lead a Wednesday night study myself with mm-hmm. the men's group at my local church. We're going oh, through wow. First Peter, and uh, mm-hmm. it's an expo- expository study. Wow. And uh, we spent uh, 11 weeks in Chapter 1 alone. Wow. <laughs> wow. So— You know, I don't say that to boast or anything like that. What I'm saying is, is that that's the depth Mm. of the riches of the word of God to be able to spend nearly three, four months Mm -hmm. in one chapter. Yeah. Uh, So and I love doing that.
2: Amen.
0: So,
1: you know, you have to uh, put forth that time and effort. It will pay off Mm -hmm. in more ways than I can even go into. Uh, on this podcast, but mm-hmm. uh, uh, pr- pray about folks if you' if you're if you're listening to this and you never uh, or, or perhaps you have a fear a, a phobia mm-hmm. about studying the word of God uh, pray about that that the Lord would relieve you mm-hmm. of that fear of that burden and just sit down and open the Bible just mm-hmm. open it up and let the Holy Spirit take it from there. You, you'll be
0: glad Amen. you did. Amen. No doubt. As, as, as New Year gets ready to roll in, I know a lot of folks will be thinking about, you know, new reading plans for the year. Uh, you know, as far as because I've already got mine set up. I've invited a bunch of people to join me. I, I read every year. I read through uh, the entire, you know, Old and New Testament. Um, and usually I do it chronologically. Um, and, and this year, I think I, the, the take I'm going to do is, is, a, is more of a, more of a, a, uh, a Jewish historical Perspective. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I'm gonna, mm-hmm. I'm gonna, I'm gonna take that approach uh, this year as I walk through. I'm already inviting friends to kind of join me in that process as we both read and then journal at the, you know, at the end of the week, uh, what God has shown us or you know, or what we've seen uh, in, through the scripture and, and that kind of thing. So, man, I'm looking forward to that. And, and and again, as as one as a discipleship pastor who encourages people all the time to get involved in, in study groups. Whether it's a men's group, whether you call it life group, whether you call it Sunday school, whatever you call it, uh, where 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 you've got a group of people, a community uh, where you can you can link up with, who will study with you, who will pray with you, who will confess uh, sin before the, the group, and uh, yep. where where there's some real accountability that's mm-hmm. taking place, and and mm-hmm. uh, man, I just want to encourage people as this new year rolls around. If you haven't been a part of that, man, to to do that. And if you are a part of that, to, to grab another brother, you know, a lot of times, man, we get in these little community pockets and we're having such a good time, man. We forget that there are other brothers out there who who are in need of, of connection like that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, what's so important about what you just said, man, about connecting, uh, as a community of believers, uh, and I think we lose sight of this. Uh, you know here we are at Christmas time we've got new Year's coming up. we just uh concluded our the uh, Thanksgiving observances and whatnot. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I think it's in these times of busyness and hurriedness and activities that we probably lose sight of one of the most important aspects of our lives here on this earth, and that is the fact that our lives on this earth are one day going to end. Mm-hmm. So the significance of connecting with a group of believers. Yeah. So it's, it's funny, right? That we 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 call them life groups or whatnot. I hear that right. term a lot. Right. But a, a life group should manifest itself as what I call an eternity group. Life mm. groups are to get you ready for eternity. <laughs> That's what a life group ultimately is it should be about.
0: Absolutely, absolutely.
1: You know, I l- that's what I should it should be about. Yeah, it's, a, it's about helping you uh, leverage the Word of God, leverage the wisdom, counsel, and experiences of other believers mm-hmm. to prepare you not just to live in this world, but to leave this world.
2: Mm. Amen. So,
1: if if you're if you, if you're part of a group and it's not doing that, either. Revisit that issue with your, your group leader or leaders or find another group.
0: Amen. Amen. That's because good stuff.
1: We're all because I listen to your brother talk about, you know, just the joy you have reflecting on your three children. You know, and as we watch children get older, mm-hmm. intrinsic with that is the realization that we're getting older.
0: Right. You know. Right. We don't um, like to think about that part, though.
1: Well, like I think about that part. Why? <laughs> because. You well, you know why? Because with getting older comes the realization that th- one day that clock is going to stop ticking.
0: Amen. That's right
1: for us, e- either by virtue of us dying or when when Christ comes and we'll be transformed. But mm-hmm. what we don't like to think about that because we know, in- innately that death as the saying goes is the great equalizer. Mhm. Uh in in Ecclesiastes, Ecclesiastes talks about how uh I'm paraphrasing here that death comes to the rich and the poor.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So that in that way they're all equal. Yeah. We're all equal, but we don't like to talk think about getting older, but that's a that's a reality.
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: that's something that we need to be conscious of every day of our lives is the fact that at some point in time, uh, your life on this earth is going to end and you're going to spend eternity somewhere. Yeah. You know, absolutely. So our Life groups, our churches, our pulpits, our homes, mm. and, 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 but especially man, as parents, we need to be preparing our children. I don't care how young for the eventual reality of death
0: hmm that's it man that's it that's key that's important well brother I'm excited about tonight man when you sent me uh the the link and I walked through the article man I thought man you know this is in my backyard I know man, man that's that.
1: right up that's right up the saying baseball man that's right down the middle
0: yeah you, brother. <laughs> that's
1: right down, that's a fastball right down the middle
0: <laughs> absolutely absolutely so i was i was really excited to to read through kind of what was happening there um hey it, verse, verse. yes sir you
1: mind if i interrupt one
0: second man? no I go for it, it go for
1: before it we, before we get before we get uh started on the topic for yeah, tonight yeah, yeah yeah i'm sure man you want to join me in um speaking of reflections i'm sure you will like to join me here in a respectful Reflection on the life of Dr. R.C. Oh Sproul.
0: man, absolutely, uh, brother. There was a couple times when you were talking, I thought about it. And I thought, well, I'm gonna let him bring it up if he does. And and uh, but man, hey, how man, listen, how, how, how about that, man? What are, what are your thoughts there, bro? Man, R.C. Sproul, to me, I don't
1: even know where to start with respect to the influence this man had mm. on my life. Wow as a as, a, as a, and bringing me out of infants theological infancy into theological maturity as it relates to who Jesus is I still hurt in my heart that this man is gone I mean he probably and this is not an exaggeration I've never met Dr. Sproul in person
2: mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
1: but over the years that man has has come to have a place in my life that's probably where he's had more influence on me and my spiritual growth Mm. than anyone outside of my own biological father.
2: Yeah.
1: I mean, that's how much Dr. R.C. Sproul meant to me. Mm. So when news broke that he had passed, been almost two weeks now, it'd be two weeks this coming Thursday. Yeah. Man, I, I'm still, I'm still dealing with that.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've, 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 yeah I'm still no longer here. I, I remember, I remember when we, when, when you and I first kind of heard news, kind of on the back channel through through our connections, that that when he had gone to the hospital and kind of what that was looking like, and I think even most people that were kind of behind the scenes, you know, our 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 uh, executive producer Dwayne, he, you know, it was it kind of thought, hey, no big deal. kind of go in come out you know everything's everything's good and and kind of heard back channel wise that 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 he had gone in and and again didn't let you know not really thinking anything serious was about to take place so like many I was jaw dropped when I finally did hear uh, that he indeed passed and and like you uh, brother he he has had a major influence on on me uh on 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 what i've come to understand on on my understanding of reformed theology um and and the like in fact it, this is interesting man i had a a friend of mine uh who is uh, is is at my church and he's a former former catholic and uh and man i was still you know while i was at our at you know at a baptist church um and and i and i i was done pretty much with prosperity preaching and all of that um, mm-hmm. I, I was I was really trying to find you know where where do I land? how do I wh- where's what do I use as a proper lens, a proper hermeneutic for for scripture and and he knew that I was kind of searching for that and looking for that and and really didn't didn't have uh, hadn't landed on anything and, and and after coming out of charismania, I was very leery, man. Of, <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm <laughs> oh, I am talking about. I was I was very leery of, of adopting or holding to any any you know ideological position, theological thought process whatsoever. And uh, he gave me his dear friend of mine, and gave me a uh, R.C. Sproul's book. The first book that I encountered uh, was "What Is Reformed Theology." Yep. Mm-hmm. And uh, so i got I got a hold of that uh read through that man. I mean I I got a hold of it and it was such a it was taking again and as I know you've read through it, taking very yep. deep ideas and putting them in such, you know, layman's terms. He took yep. he took the cookies off the off the high cookie shelf and brought it down to my level yep. mm-hmm. uh where I could just kind of get it and understand it. And uh I I I went headlong. And so after that man I got a hold of that the holiness of God like many others and you know, just just got on with Ligonier and used the app. I have listened to uh, no less than a thousand hours, I'm sure, over the years of of teaching uh, from Ligonier. He, like you said, he has had probably the largest impact uh, on 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 me um, and and my my kind of theological underpinnings uh, than anybody that I could really point any singular person outside of my immediate circle that I could point to.
1: And see, man, here's here's the cool thing about. Dr. Sproul. He was such a learned man. Mm -hmm. Brilliant mind. Dr. Sproul was truly a renaissance man. He wasn't Mm -hmm. just a great theologian. This guy was a musician. He wrote music. He he, uh, was an excellent uh, expository teacher. He was a great Mm -hmm. philosopher. Uh, He was all those things. Married 57 years to
2: Mm -hmm. the same
1: woman. Unbelievable Mm -hmm. in in today's uh, day and age. But the thing about R.C. Sproul is that as I continue to listen to him over the years, he, he taught me truths about God and scripture that I saw in, in such a way I kind of what I call it. I backed into re- reformed theology, mm-hmm. I kind of backed into it. And what I mean by that is that listening to Dr. Sproul teach and following him in the scriptures myself, I would say, you know, yeah, that's true. That's true. That's that's correct. That's actually Mm -hmm. absolutely right. But it wasn't until later on that I realized that those. That his teachings fell under the umbrella of reformed theology, whereby Mm -hmm. I knew I came to know at a much later time what the doctrines of grace were and things Mm -hmm. of that nature. All Mm -hmm. I knew up to that point is that what this man was teaching was the truth right about the gospel so right as far as i was concerned whatever that was
0: called was just, right right <laughs> whatever
1: it was called i was just becoming right. a, a more mature christian by listening right. to this you know it wasn't until later that i understood what reformed theology was mm-hmm. that uh that i heard of folks like calvin and luther and zing zwingli and owen and edwards and all those folks mm-hmm. uh mm-hmm. you know uh, so that was much later uh, but I I I didn't want to let this opportunity go because I knew without even asking you yeah. that you will want to do the exact same thing. Oh, yeah. Give um give respect to the the legacy of Dr. R C. Sproul. Mm. We continue to pray for his wife Vesta, yeah, um, uh, their children, their grandchildren, their great grandchildren to mm. to Chris Larson, to you, and the team there at Ligonier Ministries, all the teaching fellows there. Mm-hmm. Uh, we continue to grieve with you all and we'll continue to be in prayer, uh, for Ligonier going forward. Amen. Uh, but I, again, just want to say a couple of words, uh, before we delve into the topic tonight. No,
0: ab- absolutely. Very, very appropriate, man. I appreciate, appreciate you taking the time and, uh, and us, us doing that. No doubt about it, man. Top topic wise, brother. Like I said, you sent me, uh, a, just, uh, just a hot ball here. And uh, rather than me jumping off the deep end, since I am the wingman, what I thought to do, (laughs) (laughs) what I thought to do, man, is I I, I know, you know, kind of where where I think and stand and sit and all of that with regard to this. I'm curious, as for you, um, man, sitting in the driver's seat with this thing, what what sparked your interest? What caused you to to pull this one? What what you know, what was it maybe about the article or about the topic that that really drew uh, your attention?
1: Yeah, man, it was really the topic itself. And before I sort of uh, go into a more detailed response to your question, another shout out I want to give tonight is to my good friend, Nicole Menzi. Uh mm. Nicole is the founder of Faithfully Magazine. Very mm. sharp, young African-American woman who I connected with on Twitter uh, oh, wow. some time ago. So the the article that we want to talk about was... Uh, Published on faithfullymagazine.com. So I want to give uh, a shout out to Nicole and her team at Faithfully Magazine Mm. for tweeting this article out. That's that's actually how I came to be aware of it. Oh, wow. That uh, Nicole tweeted it out uh, earlier uh, just a few days ago. And I was thinking, hey, this will be a great topic to kind of put in the parking lot for when you and I record the next episode absolutely yeah but what tweet me about the topic itself i thought the article was a great springboard to try to dispel some misnomers as it relates to black americans and the pro-life cause uh because i think from where i sit anyway i believe there to be uh a, a misunderstanding or maybe a level of ignorance, and I mean unawareness, I mean ignorance in the sense of unawareness,
2: mm-hmm.
1: that Black Americans are concerned about the pro-life agenda.
2: Mm. Uh, that, that,
1: that life, the issue of life does matter mm-hmm. to Black Americans. So I thought that this article would be a great framework through which you and I could talk about that, but as an augment to the article man i really want you to delve into your own personal experiences mm-hmm. that you, that is your reality man out there in omaha where yeah. you live yeah uh in the ministries that you're doing at abortion clinics in real life
0: yeah yeah uh
1: so 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 i see sort of a two prong agenda tonight man let's talk about how this article uh can help us uh make some folks aware of the fact that Black Americans are concerned about matters of life.
2: Praise and then God. let's
1: interject into that, man, some of your own experiences that you're going through as you minister to folks at uh, abortion clinics uh, sure. in your city.
0: Sure, sure. Let's do that. Well, man, first of all, the the, the, the title of the article on Faithful, Faithfully Magazine, it's faithfullymagazine.com. It's, it's a look inside the growing Black pro-life movement. And um, it looks like the byline is by Timothy Isaiah Cho. And uh, he, he begins to kind of unpack a little bit about um, just the pro-life uh, movement and that it that it is to the point you made that it is growing. Um, and, and it kind of began. Uh, they, they, they attribute the genesis to some of the billboards that were kind of popping up uh, in the year 2010 with anti-abortion messages that were specifically targeted. Uh, toward the African-American communities, they, that, how they began to appear uh, mm-hmm. around the country. I've seen those um, billboards in different communities around. Um, this one in particular, the most dangerous place for an African-American is in the womb. And they go on to state uh, this is this was done in Missouri, uh, that that 37 uh, percent of uh, Missouri's abortions uh, are performed by African-Americans mm-hmm. who comprise 12 percent of the population. and." Mm-hmm. Statistically speaking, that's pretty common uh almost in every state we We comprise about twelve uh, percent of the population nationally and and nationally speaking about thirty two to thirty three percent of all abortions uh, you know that, you
1: know what's uh, interesting there though verge what's as that? You, bud? as you cite those statistics and yep. those numbers, what's interesting though, if not ironic, is that just those very same percentages applied to the incarceration rate of black males. Now,
2: mm-hmm.
1: I know you already know where I'm going with this.
2: Problem. Mm-hmm.
1: <clears throat> we African-Americans comprise 12 to 13 percent of the population in the United
2: mm-hmm. States. Mm-hmm.
1: Contrast that with the fact that African-American males comprise about 40 percent of incarcerated of the, uh, prison incarcerated population in America today. Mm -hmm. Now question for you, this is a pop quiz. Okay. Which issue have you heard more chatter about?
0: Oh, definitely incarceration rates. Exactly. Yeah.
1: You've heard, you've heard more arguments that we have to do something to change or make right the justice system in America so that not so many African-Americans are being put in prison, taken away from their families, uh, unable to continue their education or whatever the case may be. You, there's been much more of an argument towards re, uh, reforming the justice system in America than there has been reducing black abortions when the percentages are
0: exactly the same.
1: Now, how do you explain that?
0: Absolutely. That's the question I, I have. How do you yeah, explain it? I I I don't know. <laughs> I don't know that that's that's explainable. If if we're going to be consistent about about the issue, I mean, Bingo. you could you could take you could take it a step further, man, with regard to the number of blacks who've been shot by police officers, right? And uh, in, in the right. year two thousand seventeen, um, and and this again is uh, a- according to pol- police. Uh, statistics um, 2017 there were 962 people that have been shot in 2017 of those 23 percent of them have been black in other words someone in the neighborhood of about 220 people have been shot by police officers right now so- one one person is too many you know what i mean one 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 person shot and killed is is a life that that in, in most instances, we could I think we could agree on this, whether 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 those whether there are those who would argue that this was a, a good shoot or a bad shoot. What we can agree on is a a, a very important life, uh, a, an image bearer of God uh, is now no longer with us. And that's tragic. Right. That's tragic. Right. Um, you, you compare that, bro, to the stats, uh, 220 to what I say, 220 blacks who've been shot. Um, and what we have data for, according to Guttmacher, is uh, 2014 numbers for the number of of abortions that have taken place and the percentage that, that we represent in the population. So, 2014 Guttmacher, you can go check them out. They're not a pro life uh, mm-hmm. type type place at, by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, they they claim there were 962,000 abortions uh, that that were reported in the year 2014. And then of those, we represent 32% of all of those abortions. Man, you do the math that, that, that comes to 288,000 black lives that are, that are not here as a result to the issue of abortion. If you want to, if you want to be conservative, call it a quarter of a million. There, there are a quarter of a million blacks who are not with us today uh, because of the, the, the access that women have to the ability, and, and, I, and, and I, I don't even use euphemisms like abortion. I call it murder because that is exactly the, the taking of an innocent human life is murder. Um, and and while, it's not, while it's not adjudicated in that way in the legal system, uh, that is exactly what's taking place. Uh, Though murder is legal in the same way that slavery was legal once in the past, uh, that definitely doesn't make it uh moral by any stretch of the imagination. But to the point you were making, you you heard uh, you know, you 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 hear a big outcry about police brutality, about about, you know, black lives that matter, uh, those lives that are lost in the unjust shootings by by white officers primarily, um, but 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 almost a silence with regard to this issue. So when I saw the article, man, that you that you sent i was excited uh to to hear that a there was a growing african-american uh pro-life movement um and and i wanted to learn more about it and and get and get tied in uh to it. it but the the article for me bro i was glad you sent it because while while the topic and subject matter is is close to my heart um I I I want to do more. Like I I'm, you know, as as I as I walk through the information, my thought was, man, how how could I leverage this information to do something more and be even louder about the issue in, in the year to come, Lord willing. So that's kind of yeah. my thought process.
1: Yeah, and I'm right with you, man, as far as wanting to do more. I think uh, you know, as you cite more of those numbers with respect to the black abortion rate, I couldn't help but be reminded of an article that I came across uh, back in 2016. This article was published by lifenews.com on uh, February 3rd, 2016. And it referred to some statistics in New York city for the year 2013. Uh, And in that year in New York city, there were more black babies aborted than were born in that city. Uh, According to the article, There were 79 black babies aborted every day in New York city Mm. and 66 were born alive. So that's a variance of 13. Wow. More babies were aborted every day. More black babies were aborted every day in New York city than were born. Uh, so you talk about doing more. Let's talk about, uh, let's talk about that for a second. I was thinking, you know, just sort of making some notes before we, uh, hit record here this evening mm-hmm. that uh, I think the church um uh, has to reclaim mm-hmm. the issue of life as a theological and not a political issue. I think life come has on, become man.
0: come on man,
1: such a political football that it's being mm-hmm. couched exclusively as a political issue and I think the church has some responsibility in that regard that in that we have lost sight of the fact that life by definition goes back to the creation ordinance in Genesis in the book of Genesis, I believe chapter two. Yes. Where God says be fruitful and yes. multiply. Yes. And multiply. Absolutely. That's, that's so life is an ordinance of God. Recreation mm. is an ordinance of God. So the argument doesn't begin where the world likes to posit it from a starting point. They like to posit the matter of life or the question of life from the standpoint of when does life begin? Right. But for the church, that's not the question as I see it. Mm. The question is what is life? (laughs) That's the starting point for the church.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. No, I, man, I, I, I totally agree with you. I, one of the, one of the things that I'm, I'm thankful for the pro-life movement and, and what all they've, they've done and tried to do. I do have a tendency. uh, I've been a part of, uh, and the abolitionist movement. I've been a part of, uh, pro-life and, and what I've tried to do, man, is really kind of, uh, detangle myself, so to speak from any of those isms, uh, any of those labels and really go back Theologically to the issue, uh, and be and 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 to really own more of a biblicist uh, position, you know, a mm-hmm, biblical right. position, and just say, you know what, hey, this is human life. Human life created in God's image is is deserving of distinct value, dignity, and worth. Uh, we cannot play God, uh, and 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 decide when life A begins or when to terminate that life. We, we are sitting in the seat. Of the of, of the divine when we do that and and that has dramatic consequences and repercussions. Furthermore, what, what I think is important, I know that a lot of and, and I as I, as I walk through the, the article and, and even the video from from frontline, a lot of what they're trying to do and I'm not against I'm not against the the, the movement in this way. Uh, a lot of what they try to do is they try to fight with legislation, you know, and and, right. they, and their their aim is is like you said, it's a political aim. And and I you know, I'm, I'm glad for those folks who who feel that they that they need to do that and who are dependent upon uh, legislatures who for over 40 years have been able to effectively make a, a statement about life and then have folks rally around that to vote them in the office. All the while, they do absolutely nothing to really see any major changes uh, in the issue of abortion. For me, bro, this is a gospel issue.
1: Absolutely, it is. And
0: and if we don't if we don't bring the gospel into conflict with the issue of abortion, man, we are beating our heads against the forty year wall that has been happening. Forty plus year wall that has been happening. Since Roe v. Wade, I mean, folks are thinking that they can a politician like a Trump or you name anybody. I don't want to simply put put him out there, but y- you name any politician who's got up and said I'm pro life, and, and yet once they get into office, have done absolutely nothing, yeah. uh, whatsoever to 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 yeah. abort abortion to end to end abortion. And but, uh, but, but ju-
1: isn't isn't that the same way we're approaching a lot of the social justice issues as well? Yes. Though we're trying to Uh, take legislative approaches to Mm -hmm. what ultimately is going to require heart change. Absolutely. And if the gospel teaches us nothing else, it teaches that laws don't change hearts.
0: Absolutely. Uh,
1: You know, I like to use the analogy of you're in a car and you you come to a stop sign, you see a stop sign ahead. Now you have two choices to make. You can either stop, at the stop sign in, Mm -hmm. in recognition of the authority that that sign represents, or you can ignore the intrinsic authority that that stop sign represents and run through it. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: Now, why do we stop at stop signs? Do we, it's not the sign itself that, that causes us to stop the car, to hit the brakes and stop the car. It's not the sign itself. Is what could happen if you don't put the brakes on <laughs> right. and stop the car. Right. right? Mm-hmm. So my point there is that the stop sign has legal weight mm-hmm. to it, mm-hmm. symbolically, okay? It has symbolically legal authority and, and, and potentially punitive authority behind it. Mm. But it's not the stop sign that makes you stop the car even though that that's a reality even though you know uh symbolically what the stop sign represents you still could make the choice to run through that stop sign Mm
2: -hmm. Mm -hmm. so
1: my point is this that what the law says about the stop sign doesn't guarantee i'm gonna stop at the stop sign right something within me has to consent Mm. and subject myself to and submit to the authority that that stop sign represents. Yeah, Something absolutely. within me has to go there. You see what I'm saying, Verge? Absolutely. Absolutely. So it's, it's not the law that does anything. Something else that's intrinsic intr- to the law
2: mm-hmm.
1: has to come into play where my mind is changed, where my heart is changed to where I acknowledge what that stop sign represents, mm-hmm. and I s as, as consequently, I stop my car.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. So,
1: but 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 where you're going, man, you make an excellent point. We try to remedy these issues like abortion, social injustice, injustices through legislative means. So what mm-hmm. you end up doing. Ultimately, you end up stacking law upon law upon law upon new law upon new law. Right. But see, again, to your point about this being a gospel issue, if the gospel teaches us nothing, is that the law is insufficient (laughs) to change somebody's heart.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. And and ultimately, that's what we need. We need heart change.
1: And and, there you go. And ultimately, that's where we're trying to take people Mm. with respect to the gospel. That's why. This podcast as an extension of my blog at justthinking.me where the the mission statement is if you will we apply biblical truth to social, political, cultural and theological issues in this, in this world. That's just a fancy way of saying we talk about issues within the paradigm of the gospel. Yeah. What does the gospel say about these issues? Yep. So, I don't care if we're talking about abortion, or social justice, and, and you know, I, I've always said, man, that, listen, you can have all kind of laws on the books against discrimination, against racism, we got hate crimes, we got Confederate moral, memorials being moved out of the way and mm-hmm. relocated, mm-hmm. if not destroyed altogether, but if that, if that racist, you, you, listen, let's say you can remove every statue of Stonewall Jackson that exists, but if that person who hates you because of the color of your skin still hates you on the inside. You, you haven't accomplished anything. Absolutely. You're, you're still
0: hated. <laughs> you're Absolutely. Still, Absolutely. Regardless
1: of what the, regardless of the symbolism of a Confederate statue, you're still hated mm-hmm. by that person. Mm-hmm. Uh, so heart change is, is what we're after. And I, and I know that's ultimately, man, your mission when you're out witnessing the gospel to young women and young men in front of those abortion clinics. out yeah,
0: there in Omaha. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I, I've, I've done it here in Omaha. I've been to Illinois. I've been out to Missouri. I've been to a number of different places, man. You know, and, and again, the message is absolutely the same. And, and I know there's kind of a stigma uh, to the folks who are out in front of uh, abortion clinics. You know, that those are the crazy zealots. Those are the weirdos. Those are, and and while all of those things are true about me personally you don't have to see me outside of an abortion clinic to 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 know that you know what i'm saying uh, right. I, I i'm I, i'm i'm passion filled about this issue i i i I, get, I got that way by god's grace and mercy um it it was a gospel issue it was one it was when someone placed it in the framework of the gospel that i understood that i had a responsibility to do more than i was doing um, I, I couldn't simply simply cry, you know, a, and have moral outrage about a particular issue without adding to it moral action. And right. so I, I had to do something. And so for right. me, what that looked like was, um, you know, going out. I, I was a dear, dear brother, Tony Miano. I was watching him on video go out and just stand up for the issue of life. And so. Years ago, took my daughter, and we just went. Man, we just showed up. didn't have a didn't have a training manual, didn't have anything. And uh, man, just offered the love and light of the gospel. Let folks know we were there not to condemn, but to love. Um, and that our the, the, a demonstration of our love was twofold. One, uh, we had resources that that could help them make a decision uh, to 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 not harm the child in their womb. Um, and so we pr- we provided all of those resources. Uh, but in addition, we had to let them know that what they were walking into uh, was indeed a, a place, a house of death, uh, that it did indeed uh, have the consequences and repercussions of, of, of sin against the holy God uh, and, and that, that they were committing a murderous act. Uh, and, and that apart from having a clear understanding of the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, repenting and turning from that place, uh, they would indeed not inherit eternal life. Uh, so, so there there, there are there are temporal ramifications of the actions that they were going to take, uh, the, the pain that they would feel for years to come uh, as a result of the actions that they took that day. That day, they'll never forget the impact of what happened. I have 40, 50-year-old men who come to me knowing what I do, who say to me, men and women who've come to me and said, man, you know, I, I – I'm 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 brokenhearted. I, I saw the work that you're doing, and and I just wanted to wanted to come to you and acknowledge, man. I I, I I've walked in sin for years in this particular issue. I I committed an act of, of of abortion of murder on my child that you know that was that was in a young woman's womb or that was in my womb, and and so I hear those kinds of stories. So from a temporal standpoint, it has consequences and repercussions. But there's also eternity at stake. And right. uh, if we save the life of one child, and we've seen a number of those. Happen, I think that's that's a that's a big win, uh in, in the right direction. But the biggest win uh, is when someone comes to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ as a result uh, of of our time out there proclaiming the message of the gospel, and that at the end of the day uh, is is what it's all about. So that's 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 what we do, man. We're out there. Uh, I try to be out there at least. Um, I'm out there at least twice a month. I try to go every week. Uh, this last month, I'm just kind of out a couple times, and so. Um, but, but I try to get out at least, at least once a week and, uh, and show my face in the place. I spent a couple of two, two hours there. So hour and a half, two hours, I try to get there when those women are coming. And so I, -hmm. I want to, I want to catch them before they get in and and share the options that we have. And so, um, yeah, there's, there's a number of different ways to do that. You know, I've also partnered with organizations here, uh, in, in, in Omaha in particular, that help with postnatal, post care for folks who've already had abortion, uh, post abortive care. I also deal with folks uh, who, who uh, help with prenatal care as well. And so you, you name it, we've got it. I, I've got folks who are at the ready. If someone says, hey, I need someone to adopt my child, I've got families who I can call in a heartbeat and just say, hey, I've got a young lady. Here's a situation. Uh, and they're at the ready with the resources to make all of those things happen. So um, over the years, man, we've seen a number of folks turn from from the clinics and we've seen great things happen. But at the end of the day, it's not for me. It's not it's not a um, how many how many can we turn? How many can we do? It's the fact that, man, we have an obligation to to bring the gospel into conflict in this situation. And so uh, we go out to be obedient and God's in charge of of who of who turns as a result of of of, of our obedience to his, to his work. So.
1: Well, man, I got to tell you, man, it's just beautiful listening to you. Just sort of articulate that, man, and what your, uh, what your motivation is, what your inspiration is, what your mission is in doing what you're doing, man, and witnessing the gospel, uh, man, all over the country, almost, uh, mm. to, uh, you know, in front of these abortion clinics. And, uh, as I listen to you, man, I'm looking here at Psalm 100 mm. verse three, Mm -hmm. which uh, this is an N-E-S-B translation. It reads, know that the Lord himself is God. It is he who has made us and not we ourselves. Amen. Amen. And, uh, you know, I think I I, I cite that that verse because, you know, as you as you hear, probably incessantly, man, over the course of a week. You know, there have been uh, those on the other side of this issue the pro-abortion camp who will say, well, it's it's woman's body, so it's a woman's mm-hmm. choice. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and I go back to a comment I made earlier that the question for the church is not when does life begin. The question is what is life? Right. So a God who in Genesis 128 commanded Adam and Eve to be fruitful and multiply, the God who gave that command obviously in his omniscience is aware <laughs> of who is going to be the progenitors from
2: that mm-hmm, union mm-hmm.
1: even up to the moment that you and I are talking here today yeah so it is God himself who defines life what did he tell Jeremiah he said before you were formed in your mother's womb <laughs> yeah
0: i knew before you. yeah before
1: yeah. i knew you
2: mm-hmm.
1: okay before you were formed in your mother's womb okay i knew you mm. so Biblically speaking, life is preconception. Mm. It's preconception. In God's mind, Mm. he's aware of the child that's going to be conceived before the child is even conceived. Yeah. But beyond that, I think you also brought up a great point earlier about eternity, about this being a matter of eternity. Mm -hmm. I think the church would do well to bring that, that aspect into the discussion about abortion. All right. So we Absolutely. spend so much time arguing whether or not the child is a, a child with respect to flesh and blood. Sure. But very, we say very little with regard to the fact that that child is also a soul.
2: hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: In, in, in whom God has breathed the breath of life and created yeah. in His image, yes, to live eternally. Mm-hmm. You see, that child is also a soul. Yeah. So, but 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 even the church is guilty of succumbing to the more one-sided argument on this issue with respect to. What the child is by definition, with respect to its physical existence,
0: right, right. But the child I, I is a soul too. I, but I think I think you're spot on. I, I just I, I like to the point you made. I think it's in, imperative that that we as a church begin to to, to see this as a gospel issue, um, and, and and view it through the lens of everything that you're talking about, an, an, an image bearer of God, um, a, a life. Uh, one that God foreknew, right? One, uh, one he 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 may have predestined. You know, all all of those pieces of the puzzle. I, I think we've got to begin talking about those women come there. Uh, some are brought there. Some are drugged there. Some are. I uh, you see you see everything. Um, but but we've got to talk about the fact that they've come there for the purpose. Of of hiding sin, of covering right. uh, 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 sin, not right. recognizing or, or or maybe overlooking the fact that that they don't have to kill their baby to cover sin. That Christ died to right. cover sin. Right. And uh, if if they're if they're under if you know if if we're there to share life, to share love, to share hope, and to let them know that their sin has been covered already, uh, and, and and no no child no baby has to die uh, on the altar of convenience for that purpose. Right. Um. That that you know that that's a, that's a different conversation that that we need to have more often.
1: Yeah, I agree with you completely, there, man. Um. You know, I have the privilege of sitting on the board of directors for Refuge Pregnancy Center uh, mm. here in, in Conyers, uh, in of Atlanta. Praise and, God. Uh, you know, for those who are listening who may want to learn more about Refuge Pregnancy Center, you can go to their website at refugepregnancycenter.com dot com. Mm. But uh, I have the privilege of sitting on the board of directors, uh, uh, for that organization. And, uh, you know, interestingly, uh, most of the, uh, clients that refuge, uh, has the privilege of seeing are young African American women. Um, mm-hmm. uh, most of the time they're there without the person who fathered the child. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, uh, You know, one of the things we try to do is exactly what you're talking about. We try to give them hope Mm. and uh help them to see that God is sovereign even in that situation. Yeah. Yeah. See, God is sovereign even in our sinfulness. Yeah. But the beauty of the God of the of the gospel is that it is He Himself. See, and I get excited just talking about this. It is God Himself who created a way out
2: mm, for us. Mm-hmm.
1: We don't have to find our own way out. Mm-mm. Just like you said, brother, Christ died for that sin. Absolutely. Okay. Christ knows that child before you even got that positive pregnancy result. Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Okay. So, you know what, what what you're doing. You know, out in Omaha and in other areas. What I'm doing here in Atlanta Mm -hmm, is, is, you know, you could real whittle it down to, listen, these these are just different ways of preaching the gospel. Absolutely. To people who need to hear. Absolutely. Know that God loves you.
2: God Mm -hmm, loves you. mm
0: -hmm.
1: God loves that child. The same God who created you created that life that's within you. Yeah. God has a purpose and plan, you know, for that life, for that child.
0: Amen. Amen. Man, well, this has been a jumbo, man. This is a long one. And uh, we'll have to let we'll have to let our, our, our executive producer uh, do well, You executive produce, I guess, Dwayne, he's just he, he's the engineer behind all of it, making a I'm sound. About, I'm about to
1: say, man, don't give Dwayne my title. man. <laughs> 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 don't be giving Wayne my shine. <laughs> we got already he already got like 10 different podcasts. Right, like, right, like, right. right. The place. Don't be <laughs> don't be giving my shine to Dwayne, man. <laughs> you
0: you yeah, you you you're the executive producer. He 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 takes care man. He, he bro, I was listening to our last podcast just the other day, man, and and uh my brother got us sounding like butter, man. I'm like, "Check this out. Just crystal clarity." Listen, man, that's what we pay him to do.
1: <laughs> you gonna crack up with that line. me?
0: Right. <laughs> <laughs>
1: what do you about? pay?
0: <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs>
2: that's what we pay him to do, man. That's oh yeah, fine. yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. That's a, that must be in your side of the budget. The wingman don't have that kind of budget. That must yeah, be you, in, yeah, that's that executive the, that's that executive the, producer money. That's I'm that on e-
1: the, I'm on the profit <laughs> side of the ledger. You're on the loss <laughs> side of it p P&L statement I
0: cost I, I'm a cost yeah, You're,
1: you're but... an expense
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> Hey man before we wrap up I know you always let me get the last word in man. Absolutely. But I'm going to go ahead and give everybody A teaser man so I'm working on a new Blog article should be out By the time we record our Next episode okay. uh, I'll go ahead and tease everybody The title of it is hijacking Evangelism
0: Oh man
1: Hijacking Bruh, Evangelism.
0: I cannot wait, man.
1: I spent literally probably, uh, man, I've probably been working on this thing for about eight or nine hours today. Wow. And uh, I'm about 90% done with it. Uh, so listeners, when you hear this, go out to my blog at justthinking.me. It will be out by the time you hear this podcast episode. Hijacking Evangelism. Look for it.
0: I look forward to it, man. Well, listen, to all the listeners out there, God bless. Have a good one. We can't wait to check you out next time. Take care.
1: Thank you for tuning in to Just Thinking, a podcast brought to you by The Bar Podcast Network. You can find all of Just
0: Thinking episodes at www.thebarpodcast.com. Tune in next week to another edition of Just Thinking. And remember, let's think.